0: What? What's with these guys? It's like one of my Japanese enemies. Welcome to another episode of the Making a Weeb Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kevin. I'm Kyle. And we're going to talk about some fucking anime today. Kyle, I figured out, it took forever, but I figured out how to change our podcast Twitter handle. So before, yeah, before it was at makingweeb, now it is at making underscore a underscore weeb. Okay. So it it's, you do that without the underscores? It did it automatically, and I couldn't figure it out because I'm new to Twitter. So now it's coherent. Shut up. For anybody who cares, I've also set up a personal Twitter so, if you give a shit, you can follow me at Feraligatr underscore Kev.
1: It doesn't help that you picked the name of the Pokemon with the stupidest spelling. Yeah, <laughs> but... Your Twitter handle.
0: I love foralligator. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle, <it's- laughs> but the way that they spell it, Kevin. I never understood that. I guess they just run out of space. How many characters is that? Like, nine, ten? Yeah, I think they must uh, have run out of space on those Game Boy they couldn't put, or whatever. They couldn't put an 11 letter name so weird i don't even know what it is in japan probably something way shorter it's stuck though what's your twitter kyle uh, don't follow me on twitter <laughs> why don't you want a bunch of questions or input about anime my twitter's mostly sports sports and politics from twitter <laughs> if you want to get the hottest updates on gritty feel free to just track down kyle just go to my page and then just stalk kyle i'm like His only follower. So I have, please hold 12 followers. It's more than our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is a special episode today. This is the last episode we will be covering My Hero Academia until the next season comes out, whenever the fuck that is. Yeah. Who knows nowadays? So this episode will maybe be a longish one. We'll see. We both put a lot here. We did. Also, we are sorry, everyone, for putting Demon Slayer on the back burner. We are very aware we just decided to kind of burn through my hero and then just take demon slayer as it comes so there's that
1: it's hard when we have one of the series that's like coming out with new episodes and one of them was already done we kind of started out going along with the english dub of demon slayer but following two
0: series as they came out was a little much and it was a little slow and in a giant ironic Twist, we're behind, but you know what? We have learned better time management, so it'll be better in the future. Yeah, you know what? Editing these things takes forever. It does take forever, but also we have lives. Kyle, do you have any Weeb updates for us?
1: No, not really. I haven't done a lot of Weeb stuff. Hmm. I've been going back and watching old My Hero Academia episodes every now and then. So I'm like halfway through season one on like a rewatch. And I will say that the first episode of My Hero Academia, which I mean is pretty one for one with The first chapter of my hero academia maybe the first two chapters but it's pretty much like a straight adaptation of that but that is damn good
0: i agree i think generally the first episodes are always really one for one because a good episode will generally adapt i guess two or three chapters the first chapter of basically any premiering manga will be like 60 pages which is around three chapters worth of material so they get to squeeze a lot of really good content in there glad you're enjoying it again yeah what's new with you Crunchyroll added a show that I guess they're producing or whatever called Tower of God. And it has two episodes as of the time of this recording and probably three by the time we release this. I think it's okay, but I think it's worth a discussion that web comics are increasingly being considered for like anime adaptations. And I think that that's a very good thing because I'm not very into web comics. I picked up a couple here and there. And I think that there's a lot of great content by people who have not really broken out into the world stage of comics. And a lot of people online really, really love Tower of God. Maybe I'll get there. I am a strong proponent of the three-episode rule. I think it's fine. I hope that solo leveling is next because I adore that one. And I think currently that comic is on break. But the novels it's adapting, I think, are completed. So they'll have a lot to go with there. Hope Tower of God does well. Hope Solo leveling is right after that. That's Korean. It is Korean.
1: It's kind uh, of wait, funny. Web comics. I remember reading. I remember reading Axe Cop. Do you remember Axe Cop? Axe Cop. Yes. <laughs> Axe Cop was good. Oh, and I read this infuriating Dragon Ball fan comic called Dragon Ball Multiverse. <laughs> uh, mostly out of obligation. At this point, they release like one page of it every like three days. And most of the time, the art is like surprisingly good. Like that was the draw when it was first starting. But it's been like so infuriatingly slow over the past 10 goddamn years that it's so hard to care about it anymore.
0: So do you think that whoever draws Xenoverse, it's it's Amer- or not Xenoverse, multiverse. That's like American made or is it made in Japan?
1: They're actually French. Wow. Yeah, they're French guys. How so do you the translation think? Translation is sometimes a little weird.
0: That's kind of cool, though. How do you think that compares to Akira Toriyama or even Toyotaro's uh, Dragon Ball Super?
1: I think some of the really early stuff in that Dragon Ball Multiverse comic is a very, very good imitation of Akira Toriyama. I think maybe somebody different is drawing most of it now, so it's, it's still pretty good, but I don't think it's as good as it was early on. The other problem with Dragon Ball Multiverse is whoever's writing it is obviously a huge Broly fan. <laughs> so, there's a lot of fucking Broly shit in it. I mean, his power
0: is this maximum. Is,
1: so. and this is before the Dragon Ball Super version of Broly. It's before Dragon Ball Super at all. It's, it basically assumes Dragon Ball GT never happened. That's and, a pretty good start. And goes from a little bit after the end of Dragon Ball Z at the point where Oob has been trained and is fairly strong. But, you know, we're not getting Super Saiyan 4 in there.
0: That's actually kind of a bummer. I don't really follow Dragon Ball Heroes and I feel bad when I get linked to the new episodes when they come out by people that yeah, know that I love Dragon Ball. I haven't watched it either. It just part of it seems a little fanficky, but I do probably one of the coolest parts about GT is Super Saiyan 4. I just think it looks amazing. I am not a fan of Super Saiyan 4. I think it looks cool when it first came out. I guess, in that anime, I was just really excited at how different it was. And I think a lot of us were a little bit fatigued with like long-haired Super Saiyan 3 because it was a little bit dumb. It wasn't really used a lot. I mean, the transformation into Super Saiyan 3 is probably the coolest thing about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but there's something about Super Saiyan 4 Goku that I just adore. Like when you play as him in Budokai 3 and you do that 10 times command mail, where you've got red orbs in each hand the sound effect you bring them together and then you do the blast and it's red it's fucking cool for these reasons i i definitely adore super saiyan 4 even though i'm sure its power levels are a little bit inconsistent i remember there was a part of dragon ball gt where goku is super saiyan 4 and i think he's holding up a building and he's really struggling struggles to hold up a fucking building i don't understand that zoro from one piece can throw buildings at people and has so Goku should <laughs> Goku should be able to like wave his dick at a planet weekly and blow it away. So I don't know. Super Saiyan 4 is cool. Bleach is coming back. You ever heard of that?
1: I did hear of Bleach. I remember when we were younger, like much, much, much younger. You used to try to get me to get me to watch Bleach.
0: Bleach was really good. It got, in my opinion, a little to a lot less good over time. And I think a lot of my enjoyment in reading it kind of waned. I started noticing things about like the panel and maybe some some of the story stuff. And I wasn't a big fan. I finished it almost out of spite, but I've been revisiting a lot of the early stuff and I'm seeing why I really loved Bleach. And I still maintain that for a really long time, Bleach is very good. And then it gets way less good. But I'm excited because on its own, the new arc that they're going to be animating will be awesome. It's going to look great. And out of context, like without if I'm kind of divorcing myself from all like the other story continuity and I'm looking at this fresh, I'm sure I'm going to really enjoy this. And it's nice that this is kind of giving Kubo a lot of momentum because he also had a one shot a while back called Burn the Witch that I enjoyed. And that's going to be getting a short serialization and jump. And it's also getting an anime adaptation this year. So far, it looks good. So I'm excited for that. He's a great artist. I think he draws characters really well. He's great at drawing action very well, too. I think a lot of people give him crap for backgrounds, and I get it. He's no Oda. He's not bad, but he's not exceptional with his backgrounds. But expressions, characters, great stuff. And I'm really excited to see him putting out more art. So there's that. All right, we're going to finally talk about My Hero Academia. One more thing. So we we're we wrapping up My Hero today. We will be wrapping up Demon Slayer, I guess, five episodes from this one. After that, the next series, I remember (laughs) saying a lot that we were going to be tackling Devilman Crybaby. I decided to push that back a little bit. I wanted to introduce some other works to you that I think might be more seminal to the making a weeb experience. So we're going to be tackling Cowboy Bebop. You might have heard of that. I have heard of it. Yeah, probably the most famous thing that Shinichiro Watanabe has ever done. And I think it's universally accepted as one of the greatest anime ever. I think it holds up really great. I've been re-watching it and loving it so far. I think you're probably going to think it's a wildly different animal, and I'm excited to see what you think of it when we get to it. Let's talk about some My Hero. Let's do it. Isn't it a little sad? These are the last two. All right. This week, we're coming at you with My Hero Academia, Season 4, Episode 24, Japanese Hero Billboard Chart, Adapting Chapters 184 to 186. It's time for the next Japanese hero billboard chart rankings to be announced. All Might has retired and the country shifts its eyes to Endeavor. It's the beginning of a new era as all of the top heroes make their appearance, including the new number two hero Hawks, who has some choice words for his peers. Hawks seems to take some special interest in Endeavor, but what will their meeting culminate into? First of all, and I think I mentioned this before. I am very excited and happy that these two episodes in particular are where season four has ended. I don't know if I, you agree. I agree. I do. Yeah. I would have with what we got.
1: It would have been fine if it ended with the episode before this one, but this is better. This turned out better.
0: Yeah. I think that for a story thing where the school festival ended, yeah, that would have been fine. And I would have understood if a lot of people maybe thought that this otherwise pretty hype season would have been ending on a whimper if it was like that. I digress. Studio Bones outdid themselves. This is really great. They brought the fucking thunder. So the episode actually starts with a little like Eri and Mirio stuff. And I think that Sun Eater straight up drops like, hey, if Eri figures her shit out, like we can maybe get our invincible Mirio back. I have a question, though. Do you actually want Mirio to get his powers back? I think so. I'm trying to remember what night
1: Eye said to him when he looks into his future right before he dies.
0: I think he tells does him he's he, just going to be a splendid hero.
1: Okay. He does. He does say that he's going to be a, a hero though,
0: right? Yeah. But I'm wondering if he really saw Mirio with his powers fighting and kicking ass, or if he was looking at Mirio, maybe Mirio will live his life in a heroic way that wouldn't shame yeah, him like, even without his an quirk. An
1: adopted dad to Ari or something.
0: He basically is her father. I think I would really like to see him come back, especially now, of all times, where the manga's been at. There's a lot of really great developments here, and it'd be great to see all those invincible, quote-unquote, powers back in action. Because what we got with the shea Hasekai was really cool with Mirio, especially in the manga, and the anime does a good job as well, but... I think a lot of people probably would really love more Mirio. I think it would definitely make like a very popular issue of Jump if it ever happens again. So I'm going to hold my breath for that because I think it will happen. But I also understand the argument that you don't want a no stakes series where you can do something like that and then backtrack. So I think that if Mirio gets his powers back, it's going to take a lot of work. And I think that Horikoshi's going to have to do something to make it feel really earned. I'm down with that. Tokiami has Corona, Kyle. No, he doesn't. He sneezes and Iraq is like, what's going on, dude? Because she knows she's been on the message boards. She's been on Twitter.
1: <laughs> well, Kevin, I thought you would know. You of all people would know it is a classic anime trope to have a character sneeze when someone else mentions them.
0: Nah, he's got Corona. Okay. <laughs> that is the only interpretation there. Glad to see you internalizing all this bullshit, by the way. We're doing our jobs. The Wild Wild Pussycats. I'm just getting away. I'm just getting like all this stuff out of the way because there's way cooler shit to talk about. The Wild Wild Pussycats came back in this episode and they're cool. And I wish that their name wasn't so fucking awkward, bud. I appreciate that reference. Thank you. Mandalay is great, by the way yeah whatever mandalay is delightful
1: (laughs) the little the little scene with coda was nice but that was the only thing i really cared about with with the sneakers, having all those people come back yeah with
0: the sneakers that when's the last time you owned red shoes by the way (laughs) couldn't tell you i don't think i've owned red shoes ever i think i've had shoes that had like red light up when i was six but for some reason deku and coda now have shoes that are red well i guess deku's had them the whole time And they look good. Like, they work with this color palette or whatever. But in the real world, I genuinely can't think of a reason why I would have red shoes. Unless I just wanted to look cool when I'm balling or whatever. But Deku wears these all the time. I'm the fashion police. You were the fashion police before. I feel like I've earned it. Police away, man. All right. So... The meat of this first episode was the Japanese billboards. And I think that it bears attention that the metric for hero rankings in the context of My Hero Academia is specific to Japan. These are the Japanese billboards implying that each country might have a national register ranking their own heroes, or even there might be like an international register for the hero rankings. So that means, Kyle, it's possible there are heroes out there greater than all might.
1: Yeah. And Russia, they've got They've got some real monster heroes
0: i would love to know the number one hero from russia because <laughs> i mean
1: they have in vigilantes the number one hero from america
0: yep captain Man. celebrity who i love by the way i think he gets yeah i like captain celebrity they do I like mean. a little they put a little pepper on him the way that they put a little pepper on like the gentle criminal kind of thing in the main story like you don't really expect what you get with him and then it's like he's great Yeah. I mean, he's no All Might, though. He is not. I think that the vigilante spinoff makes it very expressly clear that Captain Celebrity is no All Might. He's really good, but he's no All Might. So All Might could have been the best in the world, but it's implied that, you know, there's a possibility he might not be. Also, before we talk about the top 10, I just I don't want to gloss over the fact that, like, after they do the the billboard things, uh, the episode brings up the villain Destro again and the MetaHuman Liberation folks for the second time. And that's when the shame quirk guy attacks, I guess, the company that he used to work for. And then Hawks just kind of looks at him and feathers him into submission. This guy's got a stupid fucking quirk, by the way. The shame thing? He gets more powerful the more shame he feels. That's so dumb. That's like a way worse version of Labrava's quirk.
1: Yeah, this guy just has to walk outside naked and he's just unbeatable.
0: But, like, he gets weaker over time, right? I feel like the more resolved you are to do some shit like that, the less shame you feel over time. Like, if you're willing to do that shit, your shame is waning. Yeah, that's true. You're ne- it's never going to be as good as the first time he does it. Also, what a weird fucking way to figure out you have that quirk. Let's talk about top ten, because I guess that's the main gist of this episode until the, the kind of climax at the very end.
1: Yeah, you want to, like, take turns introducing each one as we go down the list?
0: Yeah, I don't give a shit. I'll go first. I love Ryukyu. So Ryukyu is number 10. She's the dragon hero. I think we talked about her before at length at the beginning of the Shia Saikai stuff. I think that her character design is genuinely really sick. She's got like a claw mask. And I've put pictures for our reference so we don't like forget it. It's like this Chinese style dress, sick like padding or whatever all over. And then she's got dragon wings and claw shit over and around her head. And I think that her design is really cool. I like that she has sharp teeth. And then her her dragon transformation is just like great. All right. So, I'm gonna,
1: I'm, I might have a controversial opinion here because I I do like her design when she looks like a normal person, but I thought her dragon form was kind of ugly.
0: Her dragon form was fucking weird. And I agree. It looked like you put tits on like a Yu-Gi-Oh card.
1: Okay. I'm glad you think so.
0: I agree with you.
1: <laughs> also... And I mean, maybe this is like some kind of nifty support item stuff. But how does her costume also change size with her when she turns into a dragon?
0: So Mirio's costume gets impermeability because it's it's made from his body hairs or whatever. I imagine this might be something similar.
1: Yeah, I guess Mount Lady must do the same thing because
0: her costume grows with her. So I I guess guess there's some
1: precedent for it.
0: Yeah, there's precedent for it in several places. And I kind of like that explanation. It's really cool. And it also leads to kind of funnier moments, like when Mirio will do things while he's in normal wear and then like his shit will fall off. We never really get that with Ryu Q. Her base design is definitely a thousand times better than her normal design.
1: Also, last thing I wanted to mention is that she actually dropped a spot from her previous rank. She was number nine
0: before. I feel like that was part of a pun with her name because Ryu means dragon. And I think Q, Q or Q can be read as nine. So I thought that was like the intent there. Kind of sucks that she's number 10 now because... She blew it. After that, we've got Yoroi Musha.
1: Sorry, who? Where'd this guy come from?
0: I think you're right. I don't think he's ever made an appearance before, right? No, I don't think
1: so. He's, He's brand new. He looks like a samurai. We don't know his quirk or anything. And I think they say that he moved down a spot as well. And he used to be number eight, but that's the first we've heard from him.
0: I don't know. I find it hard to really care about this guy. He looks okay. I don't think he looks incredible, but he he looks okay. And by anime law, he appears to be an old man, which means he's incredible.
1: (laughs) But then let's get to number eight on the rankings, but number one in our hearts, the washing hero, Wash. Wash looks like a Mega Man boss. (laughs) He, well... I was going to say he does, but we don't even know if this is a man or a woman. Who the fuck is Wash? (laughs) We just see, like, some eyes inside a washing machine.
0: Literally, it looks like a Mega Man boss. The eyes look bloodshot. If you look in really close there, I don't understand it. How does this beat the dragon lady? Maybe it's because the times are really relevant now, Kyle. Everybody needs to wash their hands, and Wash is doing her part, or his part. Apparently, Wash is in the in
1: vigilantes at the captain celebrity party they show wash like doing
0: some water stuff it has to be- all right so it looks like wash has bubbles around do you think wash is like super saiyan bubble girl i mean i'm sure there's some kind of water quirk
1: that's all i can really guess for for this guy
0: it's like the opposite of super saiyans where like the less clothes you have the more powerful you get where wash is showing probably the opposite of underboob or anything so maybe that's just like Wash is infinitely more powerful than Bubble Girl. Fuck it, number eight. How does... <laughs> whatever. I'm 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 moving past it. How do you feel about Kamui Woods, number seven?
1: I like Kamui Woods. He's the, is he the first hero we actually see in the series? I, think I feel like he is. The
0: first one we see is technically Death Arms, which is the guy that dresses like he's a muscle man construction worker. Yeah, but we never really see him do anything.
1: Yeah, I think who that he... is was the first one who like
0: does some hero shit, right? Yeah, Kamui Woods shows up and then Mount Lady steals his thunder, but he's really cool. He got to do some, I think, really cool stuff at, uh, or I guess around the Kamido ward thing. Yeah, that's my
1: favorite part with him. Where he kind of does like a sneak attack and ties up everybody before they know what's going on.
0: But he's got a really good quirk. I feel like he's slightly worse Spider-Man. Cause it's like he can shoot out roots or like branches or whatever. And I guess he can swing that way. And it's good for like capturing. Also, I didn't realize he's got roses as a part of his wood belt in his costume. And I think that's a really cool touch. I couldn't tell you why I think that's really cool. I I just yeah, like uh, that. That's like a neat little personality addition. Yeah, but I think like I think his costume looks really great. I think He was used comedically really well in the beginning and then seriously later on. He's neat. I like that this show has a weird progression. It shows you literally how a lesser known hero from then will kind of rise. I guess it sort of grounds this whole ceremony and process. By the way, there are so many people at this ceremony. Do they sell tickets to watch them just introduce 10 people? They must. Fucking stupid. Stream
1: it. Uh, I don't care. We also we also find out that Mount Lady is now number twenty three. Do you think that Mount Lady and Cammy Woods are a couple?
0: Good for him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to offer that bit of speculation for the fans. I remember every time she kind of comes in, she does like a funny like butt pun. She's actually kind of a good hero when All and everybody were going to stop all for one and like the league of villains when they show up for bakugo she actually like selflessly sort of blocks a hit at tremendous expense to her and it's a little bit funny but you know it was a quasi heroic thing to do she blocks it no i think she allows for their escape i might be misremembering this yeah,
1: yeah they're like getting away and the league is like launching themselves after them and she grows real big and i think
0: that puts her face in the way Yeah, her her outfit's really cool. She's not in the top 10, though. Her ass and giant boobies aren't giant enough.
1: Yeah, they don't beat Wash. (laughs) What
0: the fuck? How does Mount Lee not beat Wash? Anyway, number six is (laughs) Crust. Number number six is Crust. I, I, I don't dislike Crust. I don't think that there's anything really special about him. He has maintained his number six rank, so he's actually pretty good. He's got a shield quirk, which I do believe we get to see later on but yeah, we haven't
1: crust is new up to this point though. Right. We haven't.
0: Yeah. This is our first, this is our introduction to crust. He stayed the same. So I guess you could say this wasn't the rising of the shield hero.
1: I don't really get that reference, but I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it was good.
0: It was a really popular isekai that aired in anime very recently and has a very popular light novel. It's good. Actually, if I was going to pick an isekai for us to have picked up, this was, this was very high on the list.
1: Is that the kind where they like get turned into a video game?
0: Yes. So it's like you either get summoned to another world or like you're a Japanese salaryman who gets hit by a fucking milk truck and you're reincarnated as like some sage's daughter. This one is basically like he opened a book, he went to another world, he gets a sacred weapon, and then he has to like kick a bunch of ass. But they do something completely different because he has the worst life imaginable in the very beginning. It's very good. So I'll leave it at that. But crust i guess he's named after like the earth's crust like it's the outermost thing like i guess it's kind of shield like
1: he's got like a crusty thing on his one hand I, I figured that his like shield would extend from that like he would be able to grow it into a shield or something
0: i forget so he does he produce shields from his body i don't remember either i know that whatever he does he does a thing and there's a shield He's okay. I'm not like in love with this kind of character at the moment. He he just seems like a little whiny, but maybe we'll get a substantial showing from him later. Anyway, I saved the next one for you. Go ahead. Number five is Mirko. Mirko's quirk is rabbit. Yeah, she's like she's like Sue. She, she can do everything a rabbit can do. One's got a frog quirk. One's got a rabbit quirk. Kyle. Yes, Kevin. I fucking love Mirko. <laughs> I know. Mirko's the. Out and everybody on this list she is like in the top three of how fucking cool she is kevin firmly believes that mirko is best girl she is best girl and i will fucking fight anybody it's mirko we're only looking at girls who are of age by the way it's mirko mandalay and fucking i don't know you can tie it between mount lady and midnight but mirko is the best I'm not special in this sentiment because Twitter goes fucking nuts every time she appears in the manga. And Horikoshi also really fucking loves Mirko because he tweets out sketches of her all the time. And they're so cool. Whenever she's on, she always has a certain level of really charming expressiveness that like you could look at her and be like, oh, that's the kind of person that she is. So she's got very effective character design. Her quirks incredibly fucking good, even though you think it definitely won't be. I don't know, man. Just fucking love it. I think that the design, right? It's very simplistic. She's literally a gymnast with bunny ears and combat equipment on her feet. But there's something about like white hair, a dark complexion and red eyes that I think really works. It's a really interesting way to make a character visually striking without doing a lot of work. You know, it's not a thing that's not done ever and it's just really fucking cool. I think Mirko just looks great and is great and I can't wait to see everybody see her kick ass. Her facial
1: expressions remind me a lot of Bakugo.
0: I feel that because Bakugo will have like really wide, like hype, violent reactions like to everything.
1: The way she smiles like during fights, I think reminds me of him. Like uh, I'm looking at some panels now, like where she's got
0: very fierce eyes, but she's grinning really big. It's cool shit. Yeah. I think that the reason I really enjoy her as a character is because she's like a battle idiot. In a shonen battle manga, if you have a female main character, it should either be somebody who's like really intelligent, reserved and idealistic, like somebody like Emma from the promised Neverland or female Rappa Mirko. (laughs) She's just the fucking coolest. I don't know what she was before this. She's number five, probably. She's number one in everybody's hearts. Fuck wash. I don't care. It's funny because, like, you see a bunch of memes on Twitter about, like, everybody wants to be crushed between her thighs. And I don't think that the anime really showcases it the way that the manga has recently.
1: No, but I mean, we'll get there.
0: <laughs> Eventually, in, like, five years. All right, we'll move on. Mirko's great. Everybody stand Mirko. Ed shot is number four.
1: Yep, he's basically a ninja dude. And according to the My Hero Academia wiki, his quirk is called fold-a-body, and he can flatten and reshape his body parts.
0: Yeah, I think that that's kind of cool. I think that some the abilities that I gravitate more are the really gimmicky kind of quirks that are like stand abilities from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Like this guy can turn into like paper. He can change his size. He's very evasive. Like this is sort of it reminds me a little bit of Gentle in a way.
1: I kind of forgot about Ed Shot, but he is a character that we have seen before. He was on the team that goes to rescue Bakugo.
0: Yeah, there was a character in the My Hero Academia movie whose favorite hero was Edshot and he had a Edshot keychain or something that I thought was like a neat little thing. Edshot has one of those character designs where like a little kid could have drawn it up, but it's also one of those instances where the design is actually kind of really good. Like Edshot just looks like a stereotypical ninja with a weird hairstyle that I don't know, you wouldn't naturally put on anything ever when you're drawing a person. But this is manga. I don't know. He's great. He's got cool powers. And number three is
1: Best Genist. And there's nobody in this series that has a better hero name or outfit than Best
0: Genist. Is there a good genist, do you think? Doesn't need to be. Do you think it was like a Pokemon kind of thing where he was just genist and then good genist and then now he's Best Genist? He wears a belt around his fucking nose. It's great. I know it's great. He's also got a cool gimmicky quirk.
1: He does. Yeah, so Best Genist was injured pretty badly during the whole all-for-one thing.
0: Oh, he got so a he shit pushed in.
1: So he hasn't really been doing anything since then, but I guess they they held a spot for him, which is nice. And he actually somehow goes up a spot.
0: Well, I think that how it works is that the billboard is based on approval rating. He does such a good job that even if he's not working, he can maintain a third-place rank.
1: Maybe, the, maybe his uh, heroic sacrifice there gave him. That push up a little bit
0: i think that it's worth giving a little attention like all for one when he stole ragdoll's quirk and they mentioned this in the beginning of the episode he expressly tells genus he doesn't want his quirk because it's one of the quirks that is really good if you work really hard at it and he didn't want to do it so best genus was born with a scrub lord quirk and then made it incredible i just wanted to point that out
1: And right, i actually didn't remember that so yeah that's
0: pretty cool yeah, I think he was like, yeah, if if it wasn't for the, all the training it probably takes to make your power really great, I would be stealing it from you right now, but I won't. So you get a crater in your chest. All right, Kyle, your favorite hero ever. It's It might not be, but he's up there. I do love him. He's great. It's number two. So Hawks was definitely the most uh, anticipated character this season, probably even more than Chisaki or anybody in the Shia Ha by far. Yeah, fuck um, those guys. So he's... I wanted to talk a little bit about this because there was a lot of attention going into his casting and I guess his role here. He's voice acted in Japanese by Yuichi Nakamura, and he is the Japanese dub for Captain America in the MCU movies. Is that normal that the guys who do voice acting
1: in anime are also they also dub like hollywood movies
0: yeah i think that whenever there's an international release of like a live action thing they will go by voice actors and then they will also i guess occasionally go with like really famous actors you're not going to get christian bale playing hall like howl in house moving castle all the time i was watching a show with my dad that was arabic and in the english dub for it kyle hebert plays a cop i'm watching this and i was like what the fuck (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That was my first real exposure to that. There was um, a live action Death Note movie that when it got dubbed, I believe that they kept the original anime English cast, which is fucking cool. Because I think El has... Oh God, what was his name? I want to say Alessandro something. But he has an awesome voice and I'm glad that they kept it. So it's neat that they do these sorts of things with like live action here and there. But in anime, he plays a couple of characters in other series that I love. He's in Durara. IQ Food Wars, your wife's favorite show. One Punch Man, ReZero, Zero, Recovery of an MMO Junkie. He's Bruno Bucciarati from JoJo Part Five, which everybody loses their shit about, and he's in Doctor Stone. So he's in even more shit that I haven't seen, but he's pretty good. What's his quirk, Kyle? Hawks' quirk is called fierce wings. No, it's bird person. Come on, I I even I did some research, Kevin. It's bird person, and then he helps Endeavor become phoenix person. Go say your thing. I just wanted to make my shitty
1: joke. You got to make your your Rick and Morty joke because we're a couple of 20-somethings. That's
0: coming back, too. we than we really are. That's true. He turns himself into a pickle, Kyle. It's the funniest shit I've ever seen.
1: So Hawks' quirk is called Fierce Wings and he can manipulate his feathers and like send them out and the feathers can carry things and people. Which I think is actually kind of interesting because when you look at Hawks, you kind of expect him to be like, like Hawkman from American comics. And he was able to give him a power that still makes sense with his bird features, but is also different from,
0: I think, what we're used to with just characters with wings. He does more than fly, you know. Yeah, it's like if you combine Hawkman with some kind of cool magneto telekinesis kind of power. It also gives him really cool sensory abilities, which is great. And they use it in the episode after this in the finale really well. But he's also got these wing swords that he can make that are fucking dope.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: So obviously Hawks has a lot going under the hood. They don't really go too much in depth here. He has really good interactions with Endeavor. And I think that they have a relationship that is, it has a lot of important bearing on the series as a whole.
1: Yes. Without giving too much away.
0: It's part of the reason why Hawks was just like, everybody couldn't wait. I think most people getting the DLC for the new My Hero game that came out are getting it specifically so they can play as Hawks in something.
1: Yeah. There are a lot of layers to Hawks that we don't get
0: quite yet. They hint at it a little bit in uh, in the ending credits. You see a young Hawks kind of blindfolded, being guided in some way by some adults. And it's juxtaposed with Endeavour and his family. So I think it's a good way to kind of build up, you know, the mystery here and also kind of foreshadow that these two will be connected in some way with their heroism. So with Hawks, I think that the anime adaptation is really cool with this. I think that the way Studio Bones portrays his movements is something. That should be paid attention to like he's just hanging out and then he'll angle his head at like a 45 degree angle and then move it back. Like the way how a pigeon might move its head very quickly. And then when he's relaxed or acting cocky, he'll manspread spread his wings and it's just like a natural thing. It's like stretching his arms or something. And I think that the way that they seamlessly do these movements are, it's a very tacit way to show the kind of person that he is.
1: I like it's in the next episode, but that scene where, Endeavor is like flying up in the air behind him
0: and he's like running backwards on a building. That was incredible. We'll get into that, but like, fuck, that finale was so good. I do like that he challenges the other heroes when they're all giving like their little speech thing. And then Mirko's like, oh, I like you. He's like challenging the other heroes to say something more interesting than the platitudes and the sound bites that they've been given. They're like, oh, I'll try and be better. Or uh, there are people I couldn't save. Or I'm going to. I'm going to be the best shit like that. So I think that it's cool because he's a voice that publicly says maybe this version of hero society isn't working or is not acceptable or not optimal. And that this actually kind of goes a long way in setting the tone for endeavor because he's like, listen, what we had going on isn't great. We need something different. Anyway, here's number one, he's different. (laughs) So it's good for his public image as a new symbol because in a way, he primes the audience that they need to accept something new for things to get better. And there was a scene later on after that where Hawks is walking through the city and everybody wants a selfie. And it reminds me of that scene from Thor Ragnarok where like Thor is just chilling, giving selfies to chicks and shit.
1: Oh, yeah. When they're, when they're going to see Doctor Strange.
0: Yeah. Same energy. All right, Kyle. The centerpiece of this episode.
1: Of the entire season. It's the number one hero, Rocklock.
0: <laughs> did they even have his fucking rank? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't remember it if they did. I feel like they gave fat gums, which answers our question at the very beginning, by the way, fat gum is nowhere near the top 10. Yeah, So I'm number not one not is Endeavor. Endeavor is really great. There's a ton to unpack about Endeavor. I guess we, we haven't been doing this podcast long enough that we were able to sort of peel back the layers over time. So let's just talk about it a bit here. Sure. Yeah, I think Endeavor is one of the best parts of the series, really
1: because I think he gives you a lot to think about. I think you're asked whether you can forgive Endeavor, but I don't think at least even where the manga is now that it
0: completely expects you to. Yeah. I think Uh, that Horikoshi, the way that he frames this, he frames it as an issue. I think responsibly presents all of the different approaches that Endeavor's family takes when it comes to their attitudes and their interactions with him and their expectations of him in his role as a father moving into the future. And he doesn't take sides and he doesn't make it seem like he's preaching that you need to forgive him or you need to not forgive him no matter what. They show that, I guess Horikoshi kind of just shows that there's, it's worth fleshing him out in a way that makes him probably one of the most compelling characters in this whole series.
1: He's also like a really stark contrast, I think, to like a different kind of heroism that you see in this series. Where, like, from the first episode, Midoriya is effortlessly a good person. You know, he runs into danger to save his his high school, or his middle school bully. You know, um, and that that shows that he's cut out to be a hero. You know, all might doesn't have to think twice about being a good guy. Like. You know, All Might's just All Might. Whereas Endeavor, you get the sense that he has to, like, he's really has to put an effort into being
0: a good person, especially when it comes to his family. Maybe less as much being a good person, but more as he has to put in a lot of effort into being an effective hero. Although the, the person stuff is starting to come out now, and you can see that he has been definitely doing these things to improve that facet of his life. You're definitely right.
1: And then also, another thing I think about with him is that, you know, with. Shoto Todoroki is, you know, forgiving his dad something that he has to do to become the the best hero he can be, or is is he still allowed to hold a grudge when it's something that you can really
0: justify?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't think there's a
0: clear answer to that. So, but I think that's probably what happens. Parts about him, and I think that definitely makes him one of the most well-written characters. He's a kind of Bakugo. Because I think that you were right in that people like All Might and Deku can effortlessly be good people, and that makes them cut out to be heroes when they have the right tools to be heroes. Where Bakugo is extremely effective at doing things expected of heroes physically, and then everything else comes beyond that. It's definitely a cool foil because we've seen from the end of season three, going through uh, some parts of season four with their exam, and then moving forward from that. We've seen that there's been a dramatic shift in the way that these characters were initially presented. Horikoshi still presents these responsibly. He doesn't tell you not to say that Bakugo is a trash human being because he told Deku to fucking kill himself in the beginning of the episode. He doesn't tell you that you need to forgive Endeavor because he did this really cool thing and that erases you know his abuses for his wife and his child. I think that it's showing that this isn't a really black and white kind of thing. Maybe I'm not eloquently explaining myself properly, but there's a spectrum and these characters aren't exactly in the place that we thought they were, if that makes sense.
1: All right, yeah, let's get into the more superficial stuff. What do you think of his new costume?
0: I like it. I don't love the shoulder things. I think that the shoulder things you can't help because this is a very Western type of design. And if you look at a lot of comic books, I'm sure there are so many fucking people in Marvel and DC who have stupid-ass shoulder pads. These are just kind of boring-looking ones. I'll give you that. They just make him look like he's got bolder shoulders, which he does anyway because he's fucking huge. But they're not like a compelling part of his design. But I feel like maybe, to me, right, it's like a physical representation of maybe he's a bit more contained than he used to be. And I'm really stretching here. I think that it's because he wanted to have other parts on his armor. I think that he's got something similar on his arms. And later in the next episode, we see that like he emits steam or heat or something there. And I think that probably helps him balance in midair or whatever. So I think he just wanted to do something to maybe make the design look more balanced with that addition that he might have wanted to do.
1: I also think that in terms of like carrying over from the page to animation, Endeavor is animated really well his flames always look so cool he he's one of the best looking characters in this anime i think
0: what cracks me up and this is another aspect of you know how hard endeavor has worked toward his quirk endeavor has a fire beard and mustache going at all times without even fucking thinking about it he is passively emitting harmless flames from his face
1: i wonder like at what age he started doing that
0: yeah right because i feel like when, when he doesn't when he's shown not doing that like when he was training uh you know young shoto when he was a kid he's shown to like just have normal his normal hair and his facial hair i think that that's kind of funny where like maybe he was just 17 and one day he looked at the mirror and goes Huh, like in spongebob when uh What's his name? Grows out the mustache. <laughs> He's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm keeping this is a part of this. Now, this fire beard is the ensemble. <laughs> I think that that's great. He's got good design. I will say most of the heroes in the top 10 have great design. I think I mostly agree. I'll yeah. give you that.
1: I mean, like best genius is like a funny design. more
0: than It's anything, funny, but, but it's like it's gr- it's even better because of the person and the hero that you know he is after the fact. Yes, agreed. It merits the silliness. Like he I don't know how how else to explain it. He's so cool. He gets to be silly looking. Whereas, you know, you've got kind of hipster awesome looking Hawks with his laid back clothing that matches color-wise perfectly. Endeavor always looks great, as we have said. mirko has got like a good minimalist, very effective design. Headshot's fine, you know, so I I guess crust isn't that he's okay. Kamui's great, Wash is eh, Yoroi's a little boring, and Ryukyu is pretty cool.
1: So that's the the top (laughs) ten.
0: I think that for the most part, I really like the top ten. I I think that they're cool-looking characters. They give you a little taste of who they are. But sometimes Horikoshi can write some real misses with the pro heroes that he introduces at times, like Native. (laughs) And I'm glad that we have no Native heroes in the top 10. Does that sound racist? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I'm glad that we have no heroes with design as flagrantly terrible as natives in the top 10. I've amended it. All right. It. Let's talk about the finale. All right. After this break. Ah, who cares? We're not making any money off of this. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> Season 4, episode 25, his start, adapting chapters 187 through 190 and a little extra. Following the reveal of the Japanese top hero billboards, Endeavor and Hawks are up against Hood, a high-end nomu released by Dobby, who possesses ability and cognition, far eclipsing those used by the League of Villains so far. It's Endeavor's chance to ascend to the world stage and show what it means to be the new number one in a world without the hero All Might. Kyle, this episode is so fucking good. Yeah, this is a good one. This is one of the best episodes, if not the best episode that my hero has ever had. I know that's a bold fucking statement, uh, but it is, I would say, emphatically in the top four, maybe three.
1: Yeah, if I had to pick, like, a number one episode, I would pick one that still has, like, the main cast in terms of the kids, but this is up there.
0: In terms of pure enjoyment from, like, effective storytelling that's character-centric with great action and fantastic production, this, I think, is maybe the standout episode from the series. So this episode was just a giant fight. So we kind of glossed past this. The previous episode ends where High End attacks the restaurant that Hawks and Endeavor are just like eating at and talking about League of Villain activity and rumors about the Nomus. And then a wild Nomu appears. So Kyle, what are your thoughts on the the hooded Nomu?
1: I, I don't know what I expected it to sound like, but I was a little surprised at the deep, like modulated voice that they used for it. Not that I think it was bad, but that's another one where I'm interested to see if if they do something similar with the English dub.
0: I think that they're going to do something like Chuck Huber voicing Kurogiri, if that makes sense. I think that they're going to go with like a similar muffled thing, but I think that the actual voice and maybe the pacing of the dialogue maybe won't be as jarring because it's implied that this thing, well, it's expressed that this thing has a lot of intelligence, can think in real time, and it's obviously manipulated to be this way. It's like unnaturally presenting its thoughts with slowness, it's very measured. I don't know, it's like somebody hit you in the head with a hammer and then gave you an IQ of 200 and was like, "Work with that." <laughs> I don't dislike it, but it is strange. And I don't love like the the really distorted voice, but I totally understand why they had to do it and it's not like he's talking a ton anyway
1: it's one of those things where when you have a character whose like face is obscured first of all and also moves in a weird way like his appendages can extend and regenerate and stuff it's a little harder to tell what is going on with it during a fight like there's that part where endeavor tells you basically that the Nomu survives by detaching its head and throwing it, which is awesome. But also, I would not have been able to like tell you that's what happened if Endeavor didn't say it.
0: It's a little bit like Cell in a way, right? He preserved his nucleus. <laughs> well, the Cell thing was
1: bullshit because no, we fucking didn't. Mm, but- no, we fucking didn't.
0: <laughs> I think that design wise, it is kind of really cool. This is like a Horikoshi way to draw like a demon from Demon Slayer. It has really gross, unnatural movements. But I think that maybe the standout parts of its design are definitely the teeth and the eyes. Cause it's like squinting with this kind of like sadistic glee, but the teeth are just fucked up. It's like it's got really weird, you know, like in old cartoons when they would do like a joke about how your teeth were like piano keys. It's kind of like that, right? Yeah. I think this is a relatively decent design, and it's definitely a really significant departure from the Nomus that you've seen before. I like it. At first, I wasn't really on board with the conception of Nomus and what they are in the first place. But if they got us to this point where they're starting to be these unnatural but thinking major threats... They're kind of like the Akuma from D Grey Man, which is a series I'm sure that you have not read with any real familiarity, but it reminds me of that. And I enjoyed it there. And I'm starting to get the same energy. And I'm way more on board with it now.
1: Well, we get the little opening scene of the Todorokis, minus, you know, the cool one visiting their mom in the hospital. We find out that Endeavor still sends flowers.
0: What do you make of that? It definitely does spoon feed you some characterization for Endeavor without saying a lot, right? Endeavor we we talked about this but Endeavor is portrayed as like the worst in the beginning and in some ways yeah he is and nobody can fault you for thinking that he's terrible but he has objectively it's it's shown that he has been doing this thing in the background based on information he has learned one time on one date with his wife like forever fucking ago and i don't think that it would be correct to say that even though his ideals twisted him and made him fuck up his family that there would be No foundation for the relationships that he has. There's something there. And I think that, and maybe I'm reading too far into it again, but I think that the flower is something of significance as a device. Flowers are weak and they take a lot of maintenance. You have to cultivate a flower to make it stand on its own and you can't force it to grow. And that's basically how it is with relationships. So I think that this is representative of the proverbial soil in the context of his wife and his family. And it shows that she sees it as something workable and viable and, and that something can take root in it and become bigger and maybe even beautiful someday. I feel like an asshole. I think it's curious that her favorite flower is blue. Anyway, back to the fight. Never can fly. Never can fucking fly. He's so cool. You remember when he was like melting steps into the walls as placeholders so he could just walk up a building? Like he's melting concrete footsteps into the sides of buildings and can walk up those and now he can just fire lord propel himself into the sky it's falling with style yeah i like that fox talks about that with like the same kind of incredulity that we have he's like you can fucking do that no it's not what you think it is this was like a dragon ball z fighter like that man of steel fight at the very end
1: Oh, I didn't even see that fucking Superman movie.
0: Oh, it was like that. That fight scene was actually pretty cool. It felt like a very anime kind of... It looked like it borrowed a lot from like anime, like Dragon Ball. This was a fight that had a lot of cool environmental destruction, and I loved it.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
0: There are a lot of cool parts to this fight, a lot
1: of cool-looking animation stuff that you can really sink your teeth into, but I think my favorite is when... Endeavor makes like all those really thin, like almost like
0: a net out of fire and disintegrates that building. It was so fucking cool. He takes down this building instantaneously just poof it's gone yeah in terms of pure destructive ability i feel like he is way closer to all might than fucking anybody would have ever imagined like all
1: might could like change the weather with a punch but <laughs>
0: well endeavor propels through the sky with enough force that he can like blow apart clouds or whatever which i thought was like cool it shows that like he has a view of the summit but he's not quite there yet there really was a lot of visual treats in this fight there was a part where hawks is running backwards, trying to keep up with Endeavor, while they're talking about their game plan for taking out the high end. <laughs> and I yeah, thought that I was like that
1: earlier. That's, that's that was good.
0: Yeah, that was like great silly awesomeness.
1: I thought in in a good way that this fight felt a lot like a Dragon Ball Z fight in that you know both of them. Are in the air the whole time, and neither of them are the characters. The character with wings, but they're both flying basically this whole fight. And there's a, a part where like it kind of zooms out, and I think at this point Endeavor is not able to move. He's just propelling himself through the air with fire. The two characters are just kind of hitting each other in the air. Like yeah, they're like, them, like flying. Yeah, it's around. like a
0: Gundam thing. I know exactly what you mean. They're yeah. zipping around. They're like circling each other. It's yeah going all across the the frame. It was very great. I was talking to you about this earlier. I think that this shows that Endeavor has a level of mastery of his quirk that I don't even think characters like Mirio can even approach because at that point, he was wounded grievously enough that he couldn't move his own body. So that was purely by flexing his own quirk with such precise heat control that he's able to keep up with this thing, speed A, B, react and move and defend and attack just by that propulsion. Because otherwise, he it's like imagine you're just positioned in a roller coaster seated position. And then you fly all around the sky on your own. Crazy. You don't see characters in Dragon Ball Z do that. So Endeavor is the coolest. I think it's bullshit that Mirio was portrayed as being the closest one to being number one. I don't think he was anywhere near fucking close to Endeavor. It would be an interesting fight. But... It would be an interesting fight. But I think that Mirio would get fucking annihilated. All right. We're going to briefly go into this. I think that if Mirio tried what he did on Class 1A or Chisaki or anybody, he would have to cancel out his impermeability to hurt Endeavor. And there's no way he would even be able to touch Endeavor. Endeavor is fire. He is fire. Not in the One Piece way, but like in the My Hero way. So, shit. I don't think Mirio comes even close.
1: We get a better glimpse into what Hawks can do. So we see that he can kind of sense people and... He was like, I guess, with his feathers, is able to sense them, and then he can send his feathers out to you know find them, and that's how he evacuates that building so that Endeavor can disintegrate it. And yet, they also show him recalling the feathers and like reattaching them.
0: The way that they kind of fill out to the form of his wings again is also really cool, and was another yeah. nice part of the animation here.
1: I feel like he must also be able to just grow them, right? Because I mean, he's like burning through them during this fight, so they have to. They
0: have to come back if he, if he loses them, right? That's true. But I think that they're really durable, so it takes a long time for them to be destroyed. And I think that that's ultimately what leads to one of the coolest shots in this episode. And there are so many good shots in this episode where he backs up Endeavor by giving him a bunch of his feathers. The feathers flare up with the combination of Endeavor's backwards moving firepower and like Hawks pushing him forward. And it makes flaming wings. And it's such cool imagery And it's taken directly from volume 21. Look it up. It's awesome. It sets the tone for like one of the coolest parts of the entire episode. I want to talk a little bit about a moment. You had a note on this about the other characters freaking out. Oh, yeah. The the pink haired guy who. Yeah. The reporter herself, though, they could not more be like, this is not all (laughs) night. And it's They're also not terrible there. at their job. Yeah, it's <laughs> you're you're really garnering fear in the masses. I like the the role of the pink haired kid. I like what they do with that later on. It's like really funny and neat and something that would totally happen in the real world. But Endeavor tries to shake his hand and approach him as everybody else is being really popular with Hawks or whatever. And the kid is like, "This is freaky. This isn't. This is too weird." And then when everybody's freaking out, like, oh, the world's falling apart. We don't have All Might. We don't have a number one. And then he's like, look at that. And I thought that was like a great thing because there will be that person. That's like another facet of how you can view somebody like Endeavor. And it was probably what everybody really needed to see him in a different light. Like maybe stop comparing him to All Might. They're like, that's Endeavor fighting. That's Endeavor saving everybody. Fuck, man. There was a lot of cool like story elements to this. And it just looked really cool. Like that final prominence burn. He does it twice, and I, I almost he does forget do it that. it twice. That prominence burn was like another United States of Smash to me. It, it's pretty much, it's pretty close to that level, I think. Direction wise, I think that it's very, it's intended to overlap. It's a close up shot. It focuses on a lot of line work. There's a really cool flame motif, and there's a lot of focus on the eyes in the final move. Payoff is fucking cool because it shows that. He's in the same position as All Might, but Endeavor is going to do what Endeavor has to do, and it's a thing that only Endeavor can do. What do you think was better? I
1: think there's a lot of emotion in the United States of Smash
0: because you you know it's his last... It was definitely a lot of buildup and yeah, you, you do know that it's his last thing where this fight kind of came unexpectedly. You don't think Endeavor is going to get thrashed as hard as he is in this fight.
1: I think I have to like, as as I have a soft spot for that United States smash, which I also think just the name of it is just so all my, and to have him go out on
0: that is just so right. But also (laughs) the fact that it's Chris Sabat saying it, it was one of the coolest things ever. It's why I had to pick it for our intro. It'll be really great because Endeavor is voiced by Patrick Seitz, who I think that's how I'm pronoun- I think that's how it's pronounced. It could be Seitz. It might be spelled like Dietz and Watson, but <laughs> I adore that guy. I think that he's so cool. Pat, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that'd be fucking awesome. You got to get that guy to spell for alligator. Oh, my God. He's really cool. I think he's a great Endeavor. I might like him more than Japanese Endeavor, although they're both great. This is going to be a cool moment when it's dubbed.
1: Yeah, I have to keep paying for Funimation until
0: all the dubbed episodes come out. It's fucking true. I think that there was a lot of real thematic importance to Endeavor taking the All Might pose at the very end. I was impressed that he was even able to do it. (laughs) Like he could stand up. (laughs) Yeah, he, he couldn't move a muscle during the entire fight. And then I guess through sheer willpower, he's just standing there. You know, there was the moment where he's taking high end into the sky and he's reflecting like, this is a power hungry monster and I need to burn this thing away. And it's symbolic that he is eliminating this part of himself. It will no longer exist, or at least it will be changed into something else. But whatever version of that was what created so much harm, like this Nomu was doing, he he's burning it away. And I think that it was cool that at the end, when he takes that pose, it's like he was showing humility. He wanted to surpass All Might in his own way. He gave up and then he ended up getting the title in this way that he absolutely did not want to get it. But this episode at the end is about Endeavor really realizing that his own personal feelings about being the best are nothing in the face of the mission and that he has a responsibility toward the public and his family as a man. I guess these deficiencies are like really one and the same and that's like this is like the moment that he he just decides I'm going to be the best version of myself for everyone or try to be. And I think that trying to be is as important or maybe even more important. But that's like the moment where Endeavor accepts that what the world doesn't need is for him to be the best. It needs someone to just be the symbol of peace. Which, by the way, I think it's cool because Hawks delves into it indirectly. It's a fragile crutch for society and it may or may not be a good thing. So Endeavors being what they really need him to be in this moment. I don't know if that will be preserved, I guess, when we reach the cl- the conclusion of this story. So fuck Endeavor's really cool. He's complicated, and I love that moment.
1: All right, you got a bunch of technical things that you wanted to talk about with this episode.
0: This episode was very technically impressive, and no one can stop me. But I would like it if you would weigh in on this if you have anything to say. So, with the voiceover in particular, right? I think that the voice acting was great by Endeavor and Hawks, who are respectively played by uh, Tetsu Minata, who plays Endeavor, and Yuichi Nakamura, who plays Hawks. And I talked about that. It's going to be so cool when Pat and Zeno Robinson. Are going to dub this. I really can't imagine another voice for Endeavor. I think that my first introduction to him was in Japanese, but it's like you get this hype, stern, really intense, oldish, maybe middle aged man. I think Endeavor is supposed to be like 45. This guy performs the shit out of this role. And I think that this is definitely more noticeable in its intensity for, compared to like his other things. It's a little bit of a meme when you think back to like the sports festival and he's like, Shoto! You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. It's hysterical, but it's like really great. And that's like maybe the most uh, Endeavor performance that we had had up until this point. It was like a good surprise. And I'm glad that they made the choices that they made. I thought the Japanese voice
1: actors did a good job of like keeping up the intensity throughout this episode, which was pretty much the whole time. I (laughs) I, I have an easier time appreciating English voice acting, which is why when English dubs are good, I tend to want to watch them more than subs, but yeah, I've got no complaints there.
0: And I think that maybe even in this episode, Hawks might have been one of the more distinct parts because Hawks is laid back, he's very calculated, and he's a very measured person. That's probably the same word. And I think that he... It was portrayed in a way that you show he takes things seriously, but he can deliver lines in a laid back, calculated way. So I think that they casted him in particular really well. The sound direction was so on point the explosions and the environmental destruction in My Hero Academia generally really impresses me. And I think that people often forget that the sound team needs to culminate and collect these sounds from all these sources and maybe even create them if they don't have them. They have to edit them or alter their existing resources to come out with a product that has to end up sounding incredibly clean and complementary to the frames that they're supposed to go with. So you have to make sure that you do your job and you hype it up when there's action and you dial down the sound to create more emphasis for the voice work while you're maintaining the mood of the scene and i think that for sure my favorite parts of this episode were one the drumming in time with endeavor's ascension with the high end for the the final prominence flame the sound effects on that prominence flame and then that was followed by this really tense lull in the music where everybody was just waiting to see if endeavor was okay Oh and yeah, that was really good. It was fantastic. It, was, it reminded me of when we saw My Hero, the movie, and there was like the part where it got really quiet and everybody had to shut the fuck up and everybody got it. Nobody makes a sound during this. Everybody in the show is like, what happened? And then you at home are like, how's this going to turn out? The first time that the, the, the music changes in this way is actually when Hood survives that first prominence burn and he takes out half of Endeavor's face. And it was just so well placed, really well edited, the music itself was good. I think they made good choices there.
1: I hadn't really thought of it in like the way you put it in terms of the work that goes into all the sound design. But I think some of my favorite scenes along that line in My Hero Academia are when... Um, there's a, there's definitely one like this in this fight where they show like the gust of air displaced by the their attacks. And I think like cars go flying and stuff. I always think that kind of stuff in this show looks and sounds really cool and it also happens when all might you know goes all out and you know displaces the air in front of him with a punch or when like midoriya uses 100% to take down a giant robot in his entrance exam like the sound effects that go into that to make the like,
0: convey the power and also just like the displacement of air is really cool and all these things just have to come in together and it's very important to stress the sound effects and the selection of music And I'm going to make you start paying attention, especially when we're watching Bebop, because that has probably one of the best soundtracks in anime and probably one of my favorites for sure. Storyboarding is another facet of this that I think was exceptional. And you know a little bit more about storyboarding now because of Bakuman. So the storyboarding and scene transitions here, I think really honor and embellish the manga source material incredibly well. And it overall improve the flow as you're moving from scene to scene. And good storyboarding is imperative because it makes or breaks the pacing of the chapter and the the scene transitions within one given episode. And if you have effective storyboarding, then you have a really good flowing episode. You're going to end the place that you want. It's going to just be super efficient. And if you think that if there's a part in the manga where maybe the paneling might not be as effective as it could be to demonstrate a movement, or if you're emphasizing a particular moment, Your storyboarding in the anime production process is incredibly important. And it's one of the first real layers in the production. And for the most part, My Hero Academia has been adapting a fair bit in its episodes. I think generally it's like two or three chapters. The storyboarding is particularly effective when you have the seminal fights of the series, like Deku versus Todoroki, or like Deku versus Muscular, or the Stain fight. This episode preserves the panels, and when you compare it to the manga, these embellishments both make up for some of the shortness of the chapters being adapted while really emphasizing the strongest parts of this episode. And I think that it helps move the scenes. It's extremely important for the voice work. It helps give everybody a sense of, I don't know, it it gives you placement in the scene. I I feel bad that I always end it like looking at these things with, Oh, it's so great. But what else do you call it? This episode was so well-produced.
1: I didn't, I didn't really think of it in terms of, storyboarding but yeah i i went and, and clicked on like a twitter thread that was like something that you would reply to on our anime twitter account or i'm sorry our podcast twitter account Ooh, be careful and with it that was, and it was like people complaining about the like transition from the manga to the anime There are like two like a shot of hawks in the manga and then basically the same drawing of hawk, hawks in the anime and they were angry about it i'm just like what <laughs> I are so with you? I don't fucking understand. entitled.
0: I hate that. There was a part where in the beginning of the previous episode when they had the wild, wild pussycats doing their Ginyu Force pose or whatever, and people were like mad because it wasn't one for one from the manga and maybe it didn't look as awesome as it does. It's like you took one frame from this show that as a, hu- as a unitary whole is probably better than most shonen you've ever watched in terms of its story and production value, by the way. And then you're going to act like that makes something hot dog shit. And it really bothers me. I I agree. I was like, what is, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> what an, I, the, I think the worst one, <laughs> we'll talk about it, I guess, in the next point here. But like one of the worst things, I think the worst nothing criticism people have about My Hero is like, look at the clouds clouds they don't people get bothered by the clouds i don't even notice the clouds (laughs) i don't know if that i don't know if that means that the clouds are bad or if that means that the clouds are so boring that i can't help but not notice them but fuck you i'm not the the show isn't about the clouds it's about the heroes and the academias also these people have such difficult jobs i saw one thing where somebody was like i did a better thing in uh three hours than studio bones did with this and it's like you you literally traced it, and then you and added it color. In. Yeah, you colored it in. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not entirely the same thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that same thing, actually.
1: It was in that, that Twitter chain.
0: Oh, my God. It's so bad. There are lots of really awful uh, entitled anime fans and it's like there's nothing wrong with wanting a better product i know i'm guilty of certain criticisms but it's like you have to really back that up with substantial measured points and if you're complaining about clouds i think that that's a little silly there was another facet here and there's a good transition there was a lot of praise for this episode for shifting its lighting in and its backgrounds in a way that was very refreshing it bothers some people that a lot of the action scenes take place either in bright areas during the day or just flatly at night. I don't what really... do
1: they want, like snow at golden hour? Like... That
0: wouldn't be bad. There, there are some ways that you can really sell a background to give a great backdrop against your, your scene. I don't really share this criticism because it never bothered me about My Hero Academia. I get it in a way. The fact that this fight takes place at dusk, was neat. Because you got a cool shade of purple that was like a nice backdrop to this. It worked well with the blues and the reds and the the dark purplish and blacks of the, the hooded high end. So I get that. And I think that it also adds some symbolic weight to Endeavor's victory and that the populace will be able to enter the night in a way with this dazzling symbol of peace, as opposed to a scene where All Might is fighting all for one. And it's intentionally kind of taking place at a point where it's like directly in the middle of the night at Kamino when I guess the scene was at its darkest thematically. So I totally understand that improvement. And I guess maybe that's a thing I'll start to notice more, but it never bothered me. And it's not a thing I ever really even noticed until now. And even then, I don't think it will ever continue to bother me. Not that it ever has. Yeah, it's not something I ever really noticed. But it is definitely worth mentioning because it was cool. It was definitely cool of them to shake it up. Also, I feel like if you have a bright background and then you have all these flashy fire and endeavor moves, maybe there's a little bit of a risk for seizure. There's a lot of visual stimulus there, but also maybe some other things that they go into uh, that they consider when they want to prevent things like that, like the Pikachu Thunderbolt in the Porygon episode. Classic. Yeah. So I get that. It's really good in this episode. No complaints there. The last thing I, I wanted to talk about was the animation quality. Do you have any first thoughts on that? It's really good. I mean, there's, there's a
1: lot. And I, I mentioned when we were talking about Endeavor that he makes the transition into animation really well because he always looks so cool. And yeah, he looks really cool in this episode and he does so much cool oh, stuff. Fucking and coolest. it all
0: looks great. Studio Bones worked their fucking dicks off. This episode was chock full of Sakuya and just such high quality animation. With Endeavor and High End's exchange of blows, the environmental destruction, the fluid movement, every incredibly detailed frame of line work going into most of the frames where Endeavor is using fire, even right down to the smoke coming off of Endeavor's raised fist for his victory pose at the very end, so good. And I, I, I know that nobody needs to, they don't need me to explain, animation's good, you all know your favorite parts, I tweeted about them. I'm sure that there are some poopy pants detractors that will take any excuse that they can get to shit on My Hero Academia. This episode was the farthest thing from poorly animated. And I think that the fact of the matter is this. Relative to most shonen anime, the animation quality of My Hero Academia brought by Studio Bones is among the best. And I say that acknowledging the, the hiccups they had with the Mirio fight. These animators work incredibly hard to bring a show that over four seasons has had, in general, a really high quality to it. I don't think that any, no matter what anybody says about anything, I don't think you can take that away from My Hero Academia as a production at the end of the day. I don't know what the future holds. They could just like get sent to another studio and have a one-punch man situation. But up to this point, we have had something that is genuinely fantastic. So that's what I have to say about the the technical production here. I'm not as eloquent as somebody like Jeff Thu from Mother's Basement or literally <laughs> anybody who's been at this way longer than us. But fuck, there was a lot I loved about it.
1: All right. We got two things left here. We got to talk about that post credit scene. And then I wanted to figure out what our favorite season of My Hero Academia so far is.
0: All so, right. Post credits. So it's a one for all dream. We're not going to say what. The specifically uh, connotes with respect to Deku and his further developments, but we get this really cool dream where we get... I think it's pretty obvious that these are the people who have inherited one for all in the past. Mostly it's because you see Toshinori there, All Might, and clearly All Might's master is there next to Deku. But I like that it's a silent scene. We get to see five of their faces, maybe four. Yeah, that might be four. But... It's cool. And you get to see this scene play out between two figures. I think it's pretty obvious who the fuck they are. But if you don't know, I'll say nothing. But I think that the most striking part about that was definitely the after thing, where Deku wakes up, his quirk is active, his room is, for the most part, a bit destroyed. It might have looked a little less destroyed in the, uh, in the manga. I think his bed might have looked like the sheets had been slashed up to some degree. Broke his window. Yeah. So something has changed. What could it be? Get hyped. And go fuck yourself. You're not going to get it now. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a while. It will be, but it's going to be so good. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about your question.
1: And I guess we could just, rather than just saying what's the best season, we could rank them, like give our rankings from seasons one through four.
0: We got to be careful with this.
1: quick summary. (laughs) So season one, Quirkless Midoriya, and the Midoriya cleans up a beach, and then we do some hero versus villain role play during the first day of school and before that they have their entrance exam and then it ends at the league of villains after the league of villains attack usj when all might fights that the other
0: it's a type end, of high end nomu, nomu for sure it's like an intermediate kind of nomu
1: so that's season 1 season 2 we get the sports festival stain the internships so Deku meets Gran Torino and learns how to not break himself. They have the exams with the students versus the teachers. Um, There's an episode in there with Rosu and Todoroki that I like. And there's an episode with Deku and Bakugo against All Might. And then there's the scene where Midoriya and Shigaraki hang out at the mall.
0: Much like you and I used to. Back in our delinquent days. Back in our delinquent days where I would try to choke you in public and disintegrate your neck.
1: Season three is the camping trip and the attack by the League of Villains, the fight with Midoriya and Muscular, a big one, the Bakugo rescue with the pro heroes and the gang of the high school kids in disguise. I like the disguises. Yeah, I think that was fun. The United States of Smash, they move into dorms, they have the provisional license test, Deku and Bakugo fight, and then it ends when they introduce the... and then. Season four, which has been covered in its entirety now on this podcast, (laughs) we have the work studies, Deku meets Sir Night-Eye, the whole Yakuza raid, his infinite 100% when he fights Chisuke, and of course the the mirio Chisuki fight and Mirio losing his quirk. We get the makeup exam for Bakugo and Todoroki, inspire those kids a little bit, get some dad million when he bonds with Eri after they save her. We get the School Festival, Gentle Criminal with Brava. I wrote Gentile Criminal, by the way. That's hysterical. <laughs> Happy Passover. I think that might have been me, actually.
0: <laughs> it was you, actually.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, we get the Rock and Roll, Hawks and Endeavor, very Smile, and, of course, that
0: finale. Do you want to go first? you want to rank your, give me your rankings first? Oh, man. There's a lot of great moments. I think... This episode in particular is one of my favorites. I think that season four might have, in general, my like the greatest number of my favorite moments. Because we've got the introduction of these great characters, the Mirio and Shisuke thematic foils to Deku and Shigaraki, Super Saiyan Deku, Gentle and La brava story, the Airy Smile, this finale, the table setting for next season. I think that these are all incredibly strong moments. If you go by piling these on, season four might be my favorite even though there were certain inconsistencies with production at points. I think that as a unitary whole, this one was probably one of the strongest ones with its storytelling and the the animation approach to it. Ah, God, man. There are so many great other things here. I think it's Season 3, Episode 4, which is titled My Hero. To me, is probably one of the best episodes in the entire show because it's, again, very well storyboarded. It's a good fight. I think that the, the final frame in that episode, the voiceover over that... And Deku just like howling in victory is so fucking cool to me. There was fantastic Sakuga. The United States of Smash is like one of the coolest fucking things ever. And this was like the turning point for Bakugo. Oh my god. This is difficult. I think that I'll say season four might be the best. I'm gonna tie two and three. But if I if you're gonna twist my arm, I'm gonna go two. So I'm gonna go four, two, three, one. Okay. I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going two, three,
1: one, four. Wow. I think the, the I love the sports festival. I think the Shoto Todoroki origin episode is one of the best
0: ones. That was like the real moment that people were like, fuck, my hero is for real. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and just like the fight, I think it's actually in this episode. It must be in this episode because this is the Todoroki fight with Deku, but like just the scale and size of the ice attacks that he does. I just think all that stuff looks so cool. Uh, And I have a soft spot for season one because it's kind of what like drew me into even entertaining the idea of watching anime in the first place.
0: It had had an extremely effective and impressive first season for sure. I think that some of the moments from season one are one of my are some of my favorite moments in anime and manga period like Deku on his knees with All Might telling him that he can be a hero and he's just, he has been validated and it's powerful and you you were with him in that moment.
1: Yeah, and I've said on this podcast before that I, like, cry at the scene when he gets
0: accepted. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It gives you the first that's the season, season one makes you fall in love with All Might more than Deku, I think. <laughs> just the, I am here, entering the classroom like a normal person. That might actually do, but... <laughs> There, like those moments <laughs> really make you love him the the spitting the blood the poofing out of muscle form
1: there's a scene in the english dub that's really good where deku's like trying to hype himself up like going into the exam and then you know he trips and shows him like about <laughs> to fall and he just says or i'll just die <laughs> 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 i think he, that you know, there's like, the point
0: yeah, she catches him, or she she prevents him from falling, and then he's like, "I talked to a girl," and then it's like, didn't actually say anything above him. <laughs> there were lots of bits about My Hero Season One that was very charming, and I think you know what? There you, uh, I don't want you to convert me, but you might. And so it's not, it's not that I had done, There's really
1: anything about Season Four that I didn't like. Not crazy about the Yakuza
0: arc. That's fair. It's a bit long. For it sure. Is. I think it's the longest and arc that we had had to this point.
1: I also don't think I like Gentle Criminal and Rava as much as you do. That's not that fair.
0: I do. Not that I don't like them, but... I'm just a sappy fucking lame-ass.
1: And I, I think some of the, especially the, you know, the kids kind of get lost in this season. It tries to bring Bakugo and Todoroki back into it with the makeup exams, but I you know, that wasn't as, as good as, you know, some of the stuff they'd done
0: before. And I
1: missed having them as part of the main action.
0: Yeah. I think that you're also correct for putting season two as highly. And I think that's probably why it inches over for me in second. Because, well, for one, I, I think I have very personal value that I put on season four. But season two does great in fleshing out all the characters that aren't fucking Deku or Kachan. And I think that that's one of the better points about it. You get to see Uraka show determination. You get to see Ida almost shatter mentally. You get the cool-ass villain, which is Stain. All the Todoroki stuff. You get the beginning of Endeavor. You get to see the League actually take a substantial step in moving forward with getting its new members and Shigaraki kind of resolving himself to make his next move that you get in Season 3. I think I'm going to stick by it. Uh... Shit! Yeah, and also, no. I hold on hold, really... on, hold on, hold uh, on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna amend. I, right. I'm gonna go two, four, three, tied with one. Ah, so I did convert you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and like one of the things I really love about that season that I didn't mention is that like you know when you're watching the first season of this show and second season up to the like Shoto Todoroki origin episode, you would never really have guessed that. Todoroki and Midoriya would have been like they, they would have ended up friends like his character up to that point didn't seem like someone who was going to be friends with Midoriya and then like it's funny because it I think at the current point so well.
0: yeah and at the current point in the story I I feel like Shoto probably looks at Deku as his best friend I think so it's cool all right I think that we can agree my hero is pretty good I think I'm going to set that in stone for my order you've talked me down <laughs> I I still fucking love season four and it's, and I think quantitatively it has some of my favorite moments. I think that my first appraisal might just have been more quality of the production or like the effectiveness of certain moments. But I think you're, you're right to just look at these as the story elements themselves. All right, let's wrap this baby up. All right, guys, this will be the last episode that we are tackling my hero academia. Thank you for sticking with us. We will come back to it again, I guess, when season five comes out. If we're still doing this, I hope so. Maybe I'll have passed the bar and I will have more or less time to do this. We'll find out.
1: But <laughs> How I think, time do professional lawyers have?
0: Uh, we'll see. I think moving forward, Kyle and I are going to be tackling this one show at a time. I think that'll be the most effective way to do this. And I'm excited to tackle Bebop next. If you have any questions or concerns or any opinions about the season, if you agree with me or Kyle, or you fucking hate us both, Feel free to reach us at making a we at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at making underscore a underscore weeb. You can find us on my uh, anime list. It'll be cool. I never checked that. I'll admit for MAL. You got any shameless plugging you want to do?
1: Yeah, this episode's going to take me a long ass time to edit. So if you want to send me some money on Venmo to make me feel better, just look me up. What's your Venmo, Kyle? I don't
0: know. <laughs> I don't know either. Whatever, guys. This was a lot of fun, though. I love this conversation that we had today. Well, that's it, guys. We will see you in the next one when we are tackling, I guess, episodes 18 and 19 of Demon Slayer. All right. Weeb out. Weeb out. Love you all. Bye.